Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... I got the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Uh-oh, hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com goodfootball and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash goodfootball, G-O-O-D-F-O-O-T-B-A-L-L. Thanks for your help. Ladies and gentlemen of the internet. Rotoworld's Josh Norris here with another episode of the Rotoworld Football Podcast. I mean, it still remains, even here on May 16th, the most important podcast in the universe. Thanks for being here. Hopefully you listened to the two podcasts last week with Ray and Pat. They're on your feed if you want to catch up. I did want to do a solo introduction here to tell you that I know that the podcast audio in this episode is not up to par, up to standards of what we usually do. Uh, We're really trying to add a video component to this because, to me, it's kind of bonkers that we have this great podcast, and once the audio is out there, it just disappears, right? It just withers away into the universe. Why not try to make more content off of it? That's smart, right? Well, we're trying to do that. It's not as easy as we're hoping it was going to be, but we're doing it. And because of that, right now, a little few hurdles are making it so we can only record on Skype because that's where the video is coming from as well. Uh, We're working on it. That's what I want to tell you. We're working on the audio fix. But most importantly, the content is still great. The podcast is still great. So bear with us just a little bit. So today I have both Pat and Rich on the show. So why don't I already swing it over to Pat to start this episode? Introduce me as father of the year because that's what I am... uh... Wednesday mornings, uh, Dada watches his three-year-old and his 10-month-old and just totally rocks it. So that's how, that's how I'm doing today. Pat, the timing of Dad of the Year immediately following Mother's Day, it kind of seems like there might be a little confrontation <laughs> in the Doherty household here. I mean, just, these are just facts, you know, uh, so yeah, make of it. I'm just presenting the facts. You can draw your own conclusions. Yep. And uh, yeah, that's all I really have to say about that. Just glad to hear that Roto Patricia is thriving in this world. Uh, <laughs> and is. now over to Rich Rebar. Rich, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm very excited for us to discuss which has worse, worse management, either the Game of Thrones season seven and eight uh-huh. writing or the New York Jets. I think that's a viable discussion we could have. We are going to get the Jets in a moment and even later on in this episode. I thought it would be interesting to hit on a number of injured players that missed a good portion of the 2018 season. Maybe have kind of lost their luster a little bit from fantasy perspective and also aren't in the 
spotlight anymore heading into 2019. So let's kind of, you know, show them a little bit of love. As Rich pointed to, let, let's hit on the biggest news of the week, and that is Mike McCagnan being fired as the general manager. Pat, let me paint this picture for you, okay? The Jets in over the last three seasons, I believe, have been the only team in the NFL to win fewer than six games in each of those three years. Uh, and they've been last in the AFC East in three straight seasons. This is Mike McCagnan, who we know has drafted some good players, a lot of bad players. Then in this offseason, he spent $120 million in free agency and was able to draft the draft, with the number, including the number three overall pick. So what do you make of this timing, Pat? And where do the Jets go from here? It always seems like bizarre timing when this happens, but for whatever reason, this seems to be the timing. Uh, this is when the Chiefs fired John Dorsey. It's when the Panthers fired Dave Gettleman. Uh, they seem to wait until after the draft. The teams basically seem to make the decision that they'd rather have a flawed GM running like a draft board he's been working on for 18 months or whatever than like a new GM kind of doing it on the spot, scrambling the four months before the draft. Um, so it, it, it does seem counterintuitive. It does not uh, seem ideal um, by any stretch of the imagination, but it is not unusual timing. So at least we'll give the Jets that. Uh, as for the move, I mean, McCagnan, is that even how you pronounce it? I've never known. Yes, it uh, is. Written about him for many years, <laughs> never talked about him. Uh, he's basically the definition of a replacement level GM. Uh, won 10 games the first year, has picked in the top six ever since. Uh, he drafted a few interesting defensive building blocks, seems to maybe have his quarterback of the future in Sam Darnold, but... You know, just too many holes in a year-to-year -year basis. Uh, still not an imposing skill core of players they're surrounding uh, Sam Darnold with. Uh, not a terrible one, but just not not an amazing one. And uh, he, to me, he was basically never terrible and he was never great. And I thought this was a make-or-break year for him. Uh, they decided it was already break and uh, certainly defensible move to move on. You can quibble with the timing but ultimately not surprised uh, that the Jets did this. Rich, Adam Gase has fallen upwards this entire offseason, and he does it here again, right? Like, it's he is now the interim GM, and we can talk about who is being mentioned as possible replacements already. But this is Adam Gase, Rich, who was with the Miami Dolphins last year and got fired because of relationships and also just a poor team that was underneath him. Yeah, I find it interesting anytime you have a head coach in place and now you have to retroactively make a GM hire because now, you know, the GM's not getting his guy. So you had the youngest quarterback ever to start a week one game yep. in the history of the NFL last season, Sam Darnold. We already have questions about Adam Gase and his thumbprint that he's going to have on Sam Darnold's career. And could it be a situation where we have quick turnover with Adam Gase now where Darnold's not going to have offensive continuity now for a large portion of the early stages of his career? Something all, all things that could be in play with a lot of uh, pieces up in the air of bringing in a GM while already having a head coach in his first year coming on board too. So uh, you're going to have to retroactively hire a GM that one wants to work with Adam Gase and has Adam Gase's you know similar vision uh, in place. You know because we all want Sam Darnold to thrive. And it seems like that's the biggest issue, right? Is finding someone, well, Adam Gase finding someone who will work with him and and gets along with him. The, the name mentioned right now is Joe Douglas, who is currently with the Philadelphia Eagles, kind of has been a you know player evaluator for Harry Roseman, who might not have that tool in his skill set. Uh, and then the other name that's mentioned along with Joe Douglas is Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network, maybe two straight off seasons of uh, the top draft <laughs> analyst over at the NFL in uh, going into the NFL in some 
pro personnel capacity. Pat, I mean, we don't know anything about Joe Douglas. We only know Daniel Jeremiah from his media days, and that came from just him being an area scout. Is is this something where we could, and it, it might be impossible for you to answer this question, but it's something you, you see resolved quickly, even despite the team going to have to go through what we know as the Rooney rule, which right now kind of seems like the biggest travesty there is because there are already te- excuse me, names linked with the GM job that um, you know, not even going through the process yet. Yeah, unfortunately, it seems like they're going to continue the recent trend of basically just making a mockery of the Rooney rule. And uh, I, what can you really say by Adam Gase? Uh, he's the, already the best coach in, in NFL history at uh, randomly immediately being given personnel power. And, uh, you know, he's probably not going to be feeling the need to move too quickly. Uh, he's probably loving being back in the catbird seat. Uh, you know, the best place to win conflicts, I guess, is from the seat of power. And he did eventually lose after three years in Miami. But he won a lot of early skirmishes, uh, clearly doing the same thing already with the Jets. And uh, he'll take his time to find kind of the right uh, yes man. And uh, maybe he's already identified the right yes man, though. But probably not much sense of urgency for Adam Gase. He's going to put someone in place he knows uh, can be kind of under his thumb, so to speak. I mean, all the important parts of the offseason are already over. So even from the Jets' perspective, there's really no real hurry. You can try to find the right guy. But it's just going to be hard for the right guy to exist with Adam Gase, who is yeah, two, now two for two uh, in uh, immediately having like conflict-ridden uh, front offices. So uh, they're getting what they paid for in Adam Gase and uh, Rich, already. Rich, it's always a good thing, and Ian Rappaport retweeted this today, that it sounded like Adam Gase didn't even want to pay Le'Veon Bell, and he also didn't want to give C.J. Mosley the, the amount of money, the cash that he received. So that's always a great sign when three pivotal cogs in the wheel that is the Jets for 2019 already don't see eye to eye. J-E-T-S. There we go. Jets, Jets, Jets. All right. I think we can move on with that as the end. Okay, let's go to some of these injured players I talked about from the 2018 season. Uh, that, you know, could be in for a big season in 2019, like we expected many of them to have last year. Um, or they could just, you know, swiver away, welter away in terms of the NFL landscape. Let's start with uh, some people out in San Francisco, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jarek McKinnon. Pat, there was a lot of optimism heading into the 2019, 2018 season for Jimmy G after how he finished the 2017 year. I'll give you Jimmy G. I'll give um, Rich... Jarek McKinnon a little bit later on. Three starts for Jimmy G, 60% completion percentage, five touchdowns, three interceptions. I believe this is year three for Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. What do we expect from this 49ers offense, specifically Jimmy Garoppolo? I mean, specifically with Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, I think Jimmy Garoppolo's quick release is a special trait. I think it's a reason to believe in him as a quarterback. It enables him to make throws that other quarterbacks can't make, but the reality is that he's 28 years old and he has 10 career starts. Uh, and twice, he's already been hurt. He's been hurt twice in three years. Hurt his shoulder during his four-game cameo with the Patriots in 2016. And now, of course, coming back from the torn ACL. So I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a special trait. Uh, whether or not his body allows him to kind of become the player that we've been thinking he could be, should be for two or three years now. Still an open question. Just such a thin resume for his amount of service time. And, you know, he entered the league as an older player, an older prospect. And uh, it's definitely now or never for Jimmy Garoppolo. I think it could be now. I I think he's an NFL level quarterback. Um, 
but yeah, just still more question marks than answers for Jimmy Garoppolo. And still, it's a it's a re, it's a year perfectly reasonable to be cautiously optimistic, maybe even a little excited about Jimmy Garoppolo. But we've seen enough kind of go wrong that I feel like we should not be all in on Jimmy Garoppolo anymore. But enough to be cautiously optimistic still. Rich, isn't it kind of like now or never for these 49ers in terms of like there's again a little bit of optimism for John Lynch and then Kyle Shanahan and the offense and even the defense at times. But something always comes up where they just don't get into the playoff hunt and deal with a whole bunch of injuries, and they're picking once again, and they just did, uh, inside the top ten. Yeah, I think last year was the first year where there was some optimism, and then they just got it got proven that they just had just such a lack of depth, and it was yeah. such ex- it was exposed to such a high degree really early on in the season. I mean, you think about Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, this time last year, everyone was excited. He was the QB twelve in ADP. Everyone was waiting for the breakout. Actually, wasn't into him. Now he's going as the QB twenty two. You know, a, a year later, you know, pretty low. You can get him a pretty low leverage QB two in superflex leagues. Your QB two in best ball leagues, and there's still reason to have faith in the system to elevate you know Jimmy Garoppolo with this talent that he showed at the end of 2017 and even in his three games last year where he had you know average 8.1 yards for pass attempt he had a 5.6 percent touchdown rate both of those would have been top 12 rates for the year and you know when Nick Bowens came in and started weeks 9 through 17 he was fourth in the NFL in yards per attempt passing a lot of that was you know yak induced through Dante Pettis and George Kittle but to have those two guys in, still in place they add Debo Samuel they get Marquise Goodwin back as well who also missed just about all of last year you know uh, with another tragedy in his family and started the season hurt, you know, getting injured in week one. The running back depth is in place now. They've got three pretty decent running backs uh, to run, you know, through their gaggle of rotation of running backs. And that running backs have always produced, you know, in that system. So, I mean, I think that there still is optimism there. And the injuries, you know, the ACL injury is just kind of bad luck. You know, for a quarterback, for a quarterback, that's just bad luck. Shoulder injury could be something that is, you know, something that we see pop up. Um, But, you know, yeah, I mean, I I feel like the ACL is just something you can you can just chalk to being kind of. I will say it it wasn't necessarily bad luck because it was not a bad decision by him, like (laughs) needlessly trying to extend a play. Uh, So, yeah, it is bad luck. Uh, And how dare you besmirch the 49ers is 2018 depth when you got magic Nick Mullins becoming a superstar Uh as the number three quarterback. So we're not. We're not going um, down the street of Nick Mullins right now. Uh, Rich, <laughs> I do I do want to turn this back to Jared McKinnon, though. Talk to me about Jared McKinnon because uh, he, I don't think, has a single season of over 600 rushing yards. Yet again, they signed him to a pretty hefty deal, kept him even when his bonus was on track for April 1st this year. Then they add Tevin Coleman this offseason. And last year in 2018, Matt Breida looked quite good despite playing through injuries and was able to be productive week to week. Rich, Paint the picture here for what Jared McKinnon might be looking at for 2019. I mean, it makes sense for them to keep him. I and mean, this is a team that had to start Jeff Wilson for a stretch of True. games last year. Of course, they're, you know, a little freaked out and want to have some depth at the position. Uh, as far as like you McKinnon and even this backfield entirety, I mean, there are some smart men in the world. You, people listen to this podcast for people that have definitive fantasy takes. I don't know what the hell to tell you about the 49ers backfield. I don't know how to project it. I don't know how to project it. I don't know who's going to get touches. I know that collectively it's going to be a g- good group because last year they were fifth in yards from scrimmage as a backfield with Jeff Wilson, Matt Breida, you know, the, the hodgepodge of guys, Raheem Mostert, those guys, they were fifth 
fifth in the NFL in yards of scrimmage per game. I know that Tevin Coleman, Jarek McKinnon, and Matt Breida are going to produce in some capacity. I don't know how it's going to get split. We know Tevin Coleman is kind of, you know, Shanahan's guy. Was You know, he, he's, he's familiar with him. Uh, he had kind of his breakout in that offense, you know, in that system. He scored eight touchdowns in the past three seasons on under 200 touches. So Coleman's a guy that has been fantasy relevant in a timeshare yeah. to this point. Uh, if it's NFL career. So, I mean, I guess you would say you would bet on him uh, a little bit more on the other guys, but I honestly, hands in the air, I don't know how to project this backfield. I know collectively it's going to, they're going to be good, but anyone telling you uh, that they have a definitive answer is uh, selling, you know, <laughs> selling you a pile of beans, man. Rich, it kind of goes back to a conversation we had before we started the podcast of Kyle Shanahan seems to be the type of coach that likes to have players that can thrive in certain roles and at certain points of the game but not have one that is absolutely dominant. I mean, Kyle Juszczyk, he called an offensive weapon. We know Dante Pass can play all three spots. Jalen Hurd now, he's talking about playing running back, wide receiver, and tight end. I'm not saying Tevin Coleman, Jared McGingham do those things, but rather than like have one foundation back, now he has three or four, as you mentioned, that can be that can be productive in 2019, but it's impossible to, to predict uh, which one could do which. I got, I got to say, for Jarek, so the, Kyle Shanahan did sign Jarek McKinnon, but never a good sign when a coach brings in a player he used to coach because there's nothing NFL coaches love more than players they used to coach. And Jarek McKinnon, he was 27. He's been to a replacement level. He's been a replacement level runner his entire career, four yards per carry. That's context dependent, of course. But he said not someone who has lacked for opportunities to break out. And uh, Rich is completely right. You can't forecast this backfield, but I might be uh, selling old Jarek. Speaking of Tevin Coleman, let's shift over to his old running mate. That is Devontae Freeman, who only played two games in 2018, 14 carries. He dealt with a knee injury, a groin injury, a foot injury, like all these things that really slowed him down after a couple of seasons, after receiving a huge contract, I believe. Uh, Pat, this is a team now, the Atlanta Falcons, that really invested in their offensive line. We know they signed like a handful of average to above average offensive line free agency. Then they spent two first-round picks straight back in the first round for Caleb McGarry and then drafted uh, Chris Lindstrom in the top 15 overall. I mean, if everything goes according to plan with Dirk Cutter as offensive coordinator, Pat, Monty Freeman could be in a pretty ideal situation in 2019. He could be. He's currently only the RB16 in PPR and is someone we know can handle uh, – he can handle at least skill-wise a three-down roll. Now, maybe not durability-wise. He's coming off yeah. two lost seasons in a row. They kind of a wide variety of injuries. I think he's had a concussion uh, mixed in there. And, you know, Dirk Cutter uh, really never got his running game off the ground in Tampa Bay. Um, but like you said, they have telegraphed uh, the plan this year, it would seem. And uh, they want, at, at the very least, they want more balance. They want uh, more rushing production. So a guy with Devontae Freeman's track record, even with his injury track record, a guy with his track record who's still only 27 and going as like a mid-range RB2, yeah, to me, that's a buy, someone I'm willing to gamble on this year, even with you know some pretty front and center red flags. Uh, if, if, if Devontae Freeman was still being valued as a clear-cut RB1, then I would probably be selling. But to me, he's in the he's in the right part of the board to kind of bet on a Devontae Freeman bounce back. Reeves, any thoughts on Devontae, or should we move on? 
No, I pretty much echo sentiments. I mean, the the only thing with Devontae Freeman is you're hoping that he gets that receiving that receiving work back. Right. You know, because that's that's what his you know he's consistently since he's been in the NFL his receiving work has plummeted. Uh, you know, getting Dirk Cutter back may help that, but this also isn't the same offense that Dirk Cutter's inheriting, where it was just Julio right. and Devontae Freeman, and then he had the ghost of Roddy White, the Leonard Hankertsons of the world, the Taylor Gabriels. You know, they've now got Calvin Ridley in a second year. Uh, you know, Austin Hooper in place, um, but. Yeah, everything's in place. I keep waiting for Dante Freeman to get overvalued, and then he just never does. Yeah, he just yeah. keeps like, he just keeps staying where he's at. It's funny when they drafted then, Ito Smith, who was kind of the running mate to Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman last year. They basically talked about him as a special teamer, but now it seems like he might have like outproduced their really idea of him coming into the NFL. Um, okay, let's go to another well, one. Final thought on Devontae is that yeah, even when he did catch passes, he was he caught a lot of passes, but was never never did a lot of damage as a pass catcher yeah. not a lot of long reception it was a kind of pure dump off type stuff so reeves is a additional point was a very good one there are three things every homeowner wants their home to be smarter safer and more fun what if i told you one link by first alert has you covered first meet your family's new best friend the one link safe and sound a hardwired smart smoke and carbon monoxide alarm with a premium home speaker and alexa enabled all in one sleek device Built with first alert safety technology and providing an immersive, great sound experience, the safe and sound elevates any home, but it gets better. One Link by First Alert also offers the One Link smart smoke and carbon monoxide alarm that work with the One Link safe and sound. The device is easy to install and protects against both smoke and carbon monoxide. If smoke or CO is detected in the home, the smart alarm will notify you via exclusive voice and location technology and send a notification to your smartphone whether home or away. A smart home should start with smart protection. And OneLink, by First Alert, welcomes you to a smarter, safer home. Visit onelink.firstalert.com for more information. Again, that's onelink.firstalert.com. Thanks, First Alert. I'm not going very far. I'm in a rush. It's too uncomfortable. Sometimes I just forget. Don't kid yourself. There's no such thing as a good excuse for not buckling up. If you've used any of these excuses or any others, you're putting yourself at risk of injury or death. In 2017, more than 10,000 people were unbuckled when they were killed in crashes. That's 51% of people killed in motor vehicle crashes that were not wearing seatbelts. No matter what kind of vehicle you drive, wearing your seatbelt is the best defense in a crash. Even when you sit in the back seat, you still need to buckle up. That goes for when you ride in taxis and use ride-sharing services too. Cops are on the lookout and writing tickets. So why take the risk? In 2017 alone, seatbelts saved nearly 15,000 lives. So do the smart thing and buckle up every trip, day or night. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Leonard Fournette missed eight games last year, I know, because for some reason I thought it was a great idea to draft him in a lot of leagues because I was cool with his 3.5 yards per carry and then just knew he was going to get 20 touches a game. Uh, that didn't happen. Like, a lot of stuff happened to Leonard Fournette last year. We know it was hamstring injuries. It was foot injuries. Uh, he had a suspension for running on to the field when he wasn't allowed to run the field to get into a fight. Uh, then he was replaced in the final few games by a seventh-round, I believe, rookie in either Darrell Williams or David Williams. Don't quote me on that name. Uh, who was no longer with the team. But Rich, Leonard Fournette, has since had multiple meetings with Tom Coughlin. Uh, he's also hasn't been completely clean off the field. It's, it's this is this weird dynamic of, OK, they haven't upgraded or even tried to add a running mate other than Ryquel Armstead to Leonard Fournette. But also in like the back of your mind, you think it's conceivable, Rich, that he, he could not 
there's a chance he might not be the leading rusher on this team in 2019. It's possible, but I think we all waited for the Jaguars to go into this offseason and kind of, you know, back their play that they had at the end of the season, be it their disgruntlement with Fournette. And all they've done is the complete opposite and just make moves that only elevate Leonard Fournette. I mean, you look at what they did uh, in the draft. Uh, they did it. They get Rykel said with low leverage pick. They they their depth of Corey Grant and T.J. Elvin got significantly worse with Thomas Rawls, Benny Cunningham, and the same guy David Williams and Alfred Blue. Uh, you know those guys are in the fold. Then you look at their offensive line and you think about last week or we talked about the Falcons and the Jaguars had the same problem. Andrew Norrell missed five games. Brandon Linder missed seven games. A.J. Can missed the game. Uh, Cameron Robinson, their second round pick two years ago, he missed 13 games. They draft out Juwan Taylor. They get Jeff Swayman. Uh, they get rid of Blake Bortles, who accounted for 15% of the rushing attempts for a stationary quarterback in Nick Foles. So now you have Leonard Fournette, who already was the RB3, the RB7, and touches per game coming into the NFL's first two seasons. Uh, he's in another seat to get a bunch of carries and an offense that's suited to give Leonard Fournette a bunch of carries. And he also is a guy that probably caught more passes than people realize. He averaged 2.8 receptions per game in each of his first two seasons. I mean, we don't want to play the extrapolation game fully, but that's flirting with 50 catch seasons, you know, in the NFL. If he's able to give you that unicorn season where he stays healthy, and we shouldn't expect that. You should count on Leonard Fournette to miss time of uh, being a bigger body guy with lower lower extremity injuries. Uh, but he is a guy that is going after Devontae Freeman in that third round where you're getting a lot of, of his – his burn notice, you know, cooked into his ADP where you could get a, 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 a Supreme RB one bell cow running back, a wide receiver one, and then add a guy like Leonard Fred who could be theoretically, you know, a top five touch guy in the NFL, definitely while he's playing weekly and his production, even like when you alluded to Josh, him being Trent Richardson esque on the field for fantasy, it hasn't mattered. He's been a, an RB three or lower in just four career games and PPR leagues, but he's played his only floor has been unavailability. Uh, so, I mean, if you're willing to take on, you know, that risk of him missing time. I mean, he's sitting there in the third round uh, if you want to buy those touches. Pat, do you see what Rich is doing here? No, I don't, Josh. Oh, he's, he's trying to talk us back into Leonard Fournette, and I, I don't know if <laughs> oh, I yeah. can do it to myself. Well, it's clear that he's already talked himself back into Leonard Fournette. Uh, to me, I'm honestly offended that someone like Leonard Fournette would get a second chance after he made – he stood on the sideline wrong at the end of last season and just that you know got under Tom Coughlin's crawl. He was injured, and he just did not stand on the sideline in a becoming manner. And he's really honestly lucky he got a second chance after uh, apparently standing on the sideline wrong. So, uh, But, you know, he is back here in the NFL. Um, currently the RB14 in PPR. He's going behind Damian Williams. Uh-huh. And, you know, I'm not sure if I'm willing to be talked into Leonard Fournette, but I'm certainly willing to be talked into Leonard Fournette over Damian Williams. And uh, Richard, the, the only bugaboo has really been availability. You know, it's a huge bugaboo. He's missed 11 games in two years. Uh can't you know averages always like three and a half 3.3 yards per carry uh can't stay healthy can't stay in really in shape you know can't stay on the same page with the coaching staff but the jags seem to believe he's a sunk cost that they are sticking with because like you said everything this offseason has been about and whether intentional or not improving Leonard Fournette's situation and uh Basically, if I get a few more Reeves pep talks, I think I might be all the way back in. <laughs> I, I do think importantly, though, it is Nick Foles added a different play caller and obviously a healthy offensive line. So at the very least, a that play does caller help. who was fired for not liking to run enough. Well, but still, there we go. Um, and by the way, Pat, you getting mad at grumpy old man Tom Coughlin? I mean, one day, Pat, you're going to be grumpy old man Pat. 
I just, I mean, I can see it in your future. Oh yeah, it's 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 absolutely like get off my lawn territory at some point with you, Pat. So Wait, just want you I, to know. I accept that. Okay. I accept that. <laughs> uh, let's go to Hunter Henry. Do you remember Hunter Henry's name? This is someone who is heading into his fourth season in the NFL, which is absolutely bonkers. Uh, last year, he had a preseason ACL tear, and as the Chargers made it to the playoffs, it was kind of floated and discussed a little bit that he might return to the lineup, you know, if they were going to make a Super Bowl push. That obviously didn't happen. Um, Reeves, once again, when we look at this tight end group, it's the top three tight ends and George Kittle and Zach Ertz. Um, and there's another name that I am completely blanking on, uh, Travis Kelsey. And other than that, it's like a drop-off, at least to me. And it's the same thing heading into last year. Where might Hunter Henry factor into that conversation, Rich? Yeah, he's definitely in that group of guys that could break out the O.J. Howard, Evan Ingram, you know, kind of tier of guys. You look at Hunter, uh, Hunter Henry. I keep wanting to call him Hunter Hurst Henry, uh, but uh, he <laughs> he's he's younger than uh, the other Hurst. Uh, Hayden Hurst. Yes, Hayden Hurst. He's younger than him. Uh, you look at Hunter Henry. He's never really gotten gone for a full season. He's uh, had more than five targets in just 13 of 29 pure games played in those 13 games. He's been a tight end one in 12 of those 13 games, mm. just with five or more targets in those games he's averaged 13.6 ppr points that would put him at the tight end five and points per game based on last year the chargers lost 110 tar- team targets last year they it was 21.7 percent. they lost 29 percent of their air yards and we know that hunter henry has 20 end zone targets in 29 pure games played they have since added a really good touchdown producer in mike williams in the passing game but if you're looking at that that group of tight ends and the situations that they all have i mean that's exactly where hunter henry belongs Pat, unless you have a lot to say about hunter henry you can just move on to another name no i was to say i'm i'm one reason to be really bullish on hunter henry because he actually did make it back he was active for the, at least the mm-hmm. divisional round yeah. uh, so he kind of got a normal off season and under his belt so the injury is really not a concern at this point he did all the, the tough rehab last year can have a normal off season like tyrell williams is gone uh, mike henry like mike williams like you said has emerged is kind of a touchdown scoring threat but uh, Night King Antonio Gates might finally be defeated. So I think uh, there's there's a lot of a lot of reasons to be very positive on Hunter Henry this offseason. Let's go to an older tight end. This is Delaney Walker with the Tennessee Titans. He only played in one game and suffered a broken ankle. I believe we all remember how awful that was. Uh, he's 35, I believe, entering the 2019 season. Uh, Pat, I always go back to this whenever we talk about the Titans. I still don't know what they are offensively. I didn't know halfway through the season, didn't know to end the season. Obviously, now we have a new offensive coordinator. Now Adam Humphreys is a slot receiver. They added A.J. Brown as well to wide receiver corp. So, like, what do we expect from Delaney Walker, again, who's halfway through his 30s? I mean, Delaney Walker had never met an injury he couldn't play through until he uh, snapped his ankle, yeah. which uh, even true warrior, uh, like I said, he will be 35 before week one. Uh, he will be nearly a year removed from the injury, so the injury probably won't be that huge of concern. But like you said, a lot receiver core got a lot more crowded. Uh, Jonu Smith finally kind of started to show signs of life uh, down the stretch last year before he too got hurt, uh, tore his MCL. Um, so this the, the 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 identity crisis, which is related to Marcus Mariota not being good, and just the increased target competition and the advancing age. Uh, he's been kind of in that tight end ten to twelve maybe even 13, 14 range. And I think that's appropriate for him. He, he basically could be like a rotational matchup based mm-hmm. play for your fantasy team in a best case scenario. But days as an every week starter are probably gone at this point. 
Uh, Reeves, let's close it out here with Darius Geis. I talked with Ray last week about Darius Geis, um, someone who didn't even have a rookie season because of a preseason. I believe it was the first week of the preseason. Uh, it was because injury. of his video game addiction. That's the real problem. No, 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 let's no, not no, be no. around the bush. <laughs> but, but Reeves, again, this is an offense with the Redskins that when healthy has a good offensive line. Jay Gruden has had productive players in the past at multiple positions. But they signed Adrian Peterson after Darius Geis went down. Neither is known for their passing game usage. And when healthy, Chris Thompson is one of the best, best passing game running backs in the NFL. So how do we view Darius Geis really heading into his first season in the league? This is another one of those backfields. A lot of fragility here. We know Chris Thompson's not the healthiest of players. We know Adrian Peterson is basically dust at this point outside of just giving him the football. A lot of times we know Bryce Love probably won't even play to start the season. We also have no idea if Geis is going to be 100% to start yeah. the season. Uh, but you said that the, the, interest, the situation is still good. I love the situation coming into last year. I'm a little... A shade down this year because obviously the Washington just projects to kind of be one of these these a worse offense. They still don't have the passing game figured out. They're gonna have a rookie quarterback starting, uh, which all kind of is, is all kind of negative. But the offensive line is still good outside of the Eric Flowers moving to left guard experiment. We'll see how that turns out. But Jay Gruden is a head coach has tipped his hand. He wants to be one of these like old fashioned play callers. Since Gruden has been with Washington since 2014, they're, Washington's only 16th in run rate in the NFL, but they're seventh in run rate on first down and their their third and neutral game script run right on first down at 60% of their plays. He wants to just line up on first down and run for three yards and four yards. So Geis has a chance to get all that early down work. And if he's a more effective back than the guys that they've had since Jay Gruden's been there, he could be effective. The question is just, do we know if he's going to catch enough passes? Uh, you know, if you, you know, look at Chris Thompson, the past two, the past three years, he's been there. Washington, other uh, other running backs uh, with Chris Thompson in the game have only totaled 27, 16, and 14 targets in the games Thompson has played. So, Pat, what I'm hearing from Rich is, one, we don't know about passing game work. Two, we don't know about the running back workload. And three, this is also Jay Gruden who said that Darius Geis might be ready for training camp after multiple reports of complications of surgery. So, like, again, optimism level not quite here despite – loving the talent of someone like Darius Geis. Yeah, I need to fact check Reeves. He called a starting Redskins quarterback, Colt McCoy, a rookie. He's going on 33, so not a rookie. Um, Darius you know, if I were going to choose the amount of surgeries I would have, uh, Darius Geis, I believe, is at four. Uh, wow. I would choose God, fewer than that. That's um, so not ideal uh, from that perspective. But he's currently – he's the RB29 in PPR. Uh, this time of year, I'm kind of I, – I, would, I wouldn't say I would be targeting him there, but – like these early drafts, that's like an appropriate spot to maybe bet on what is huge upside for him. But yeah, the reasons for caution are uh, many, uh, just because it's a it, the Redskins every year want to run more and kind of every year fail to run more. They have a good offensive line, but a perennially uh, super injured offensive line. Uh, what, what can you? Is there ever been a Jay Gruden season that doesn't go completely off the rails? So it's, it's pretty certain that this is, is going to be his last. There's legitimate upside, but. Very, 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 very real downside. Yeah. Uh, there have been a number of other names that miss a number of games. Uh, A.J. Green, Will Fuller, Dalvin Cook. I mean, Aaron Rodgers played with a significant injury for the entire season. Reeves, any quick hits on any of those names? 
I mean, I think AJ Green's pretty much a clear-cut value. I guess uh, Will Fuller's probably the more interesting guy to have a conversation about, though, because of where he goes, where he could be a potential value, or just you know, kind of be a boomer bust player. Because we saw him at the end of 2017 be like this just elite touchdown producer with Deshaun Watson, and then last year. He, he like added a, a heightened efficiency in his game with Deshaun Watson. He caught 71% of his targets, you know, oh. before he got injured. You know, a guy for a guy like Will Fuller and where his asset is, the assets he brings in the field, like for him to catch 70% of his targets is a big deal if he can add that type of efficiency to his game. But then you look at, you know, the games he played with just Kiki QT healthy along with DeAndre Hopkins. He was the wide receiver 27 or lower in all three of those games with just 19 targets. So we got kind of this like reciprocal force where he's just been stellar with Deshaun Watson but then we haven't seen this offense completely intact uh, with Deshaun Watson under center so I mean you're getting that boom or bust bite with Will Fuller um, but he's probably a lot more interesting than a guy like AJ Green who we probably all agree is probably undervalued I think that's it gents Pat anything yeah Will Fuller just the one the one thing I'd say that no one knew added to the mix at least so uh, if he's healthy Mm -hmm. uh, the path will be there all right. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate you doing this. We'll be back on Friday with a Q&A episode, Friday 5. Be sure to hit me up with questions here or on Instagram, Josh J. Norris. I really, really appreciate it. If you enjoy this podcast at all, hit that subscribe button or leave a rating and review for Pat, for Rich. I'm Josh. Talk to you all soon. See you guys. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean Every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.